0: to understand it
1: feel it welcome to a bonus episode of beyond Beckdale, where we decide to talk about tenet because it hasn't come out uh, all over the world yet but we are in London and in Europe it has. I know a lot of our listeners are American and so we thought maybe we'd do something now to talk about it while we can before um, the internet is overrun with reviews and discussion pieces uh, from the um, US. Um, Full disclosure, we tried to do this episode earlier and uh, I'm here with Nick. Hi Nick. Hi. Um, uh, we've both seen Tenet, I have seen it twice, Nick has seen it once, Um, and when we were trying to explain the plot, uh, firstly, Nick got things in completely terrible order, but at least managed to explain the plot in less than 10 minutes, whereas uh, 30 minutes into my description of everything that happens in the plot, Nick said to me, this wouldn't be very interesting for anyone (laughs) to listen to. So we decided to pause and regroup. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think we'll divide this into sections because depending on listeners wanting to hear about the film and how much spoiling they want, there will be full spoilers in this episode, but we will clearly mark them. Um, But I think this is definitely a film that, requires discussion so let's start with um a timer okay so as time is such an important thing to this i'm going to do a spoiler free very quick plot summary uh in less than a minute yeah so go on then okay go (laughs) no, go. <laughs> um, a, CIA, uh, a CIA agent known as the protagonist, played by John David Washington, must save the world from the actions of a billionaire arms dealer, uh, Andre Sater, played by Kenneth Branagh, who can invert through time, which means travel backwards. Uh, the protagonist enlists the help of satyr's estranged wife, played by Elizabeth DePickey, Kat, and the British agent, played by Robert Pattinson, who isn't quite what he seems. Will they save the world? Oh, did that in ages? That's yeah, like loads of time left. seconds. Loads of time left. However, that doesn't really explain the film in any detail. So what I'm going to do in a bit is have a full plot description which is full spoilers. But for now, let's talk about the film without spoiling okay. anything. What did you think of Tenet?
0: <laughs> I was tired after watching that film, I'm not gonna lie to you. Um,
1: it's two and a half hours long.
0: It's complicated. It's a very complicated. You can easily get lost um in that film. Uh I was thinking about it. I, I, th- I think this is, I regard this as like the third of a trilogy, I suppose, of Chris Nolan films um, that deal with weird and wonderful concepts of science.
1: And kind of time. Yeah, like
0: They're yeah. all kind of Well, the other two being Inception and Interstellar. Yeah. Um, but what I think Inception deals with... Um, Something is interesting, like the concept of dreams. And Interstellar mm-hmm. deals with Interstellar Flight, which is also quite interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This deals in a it delves into some far more uh deep, uh hard science. Um,
1: this film could have been called Inversion, and yeah, you would have had three eye yeah,
0: films. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah but Nolan let, decided Do you know what? You're yeah. right. That that would've that would have been the spot. They could have called it the Eye trilogy, wouldn't they, at yeah. that point? Um, I think
1: he must have known that, and he decided to call it Tenet instead. So he wasn't making it a trilogy. Maybe, yeah, I don't yeah.
0: know. It does feel like a trilogy, though. Mm. Um,
1: well, until there's more.
0: <laughs> yeah, until there's more. Uh, probably more than any other Chris Nolan film. This, this, this. I mean, they're always uh, Chris Nolan films. Always require their audience to pay attention. They always, they always require thinking. From their audience, which is good, which is good, it's fine, I mean, a lot of people would like that, but this probably more so than any other film really requires you to think, and I think it probably requires watching more than once as well uh, just to get your I head can vouch it. for
1: that yes, I enjoyed it much more the second time, not that I didn't yeah. enjoy it the first time, but it's a completely different experience when the weight of having to work out what's going on is balanced with um just enjoying the spectacle. Yeah, yeah. You do a lot of sleuthing the first time.
0: Right, reading, right, like reading, like reading up on it and trying to figure out what's no, going I on. No, I mean,
1: while you're watching it, you're trying to work out what's going <laughs> on. You're literally watching people talk to each other and you think they're talking gibberish. But when you watch it the second time, it, you know exactly what they're saying because you've yeah. seen the thing happen that they're discussing already mm. it, it, to, to, to watch Tenet is to be involved in inversion yeah <laughs> it's almost like you're experiencing it for yourself because yeah. you go back and you watch the film again that's the genius yeah of it
0: um I think it's I mean in general I do like it I don't think it's without its flaws in a lot of, in, in some respects um without going without giving you any detail it is ultimately a spy thriller um a, well, a science fiction spy thriller. Yeah, no, I don't
1: think that gives anything um, away because I think um, producer Emma Thomas, uh, Christopher Nolan's wife, had said this is elevating the spy genre. Yeah, like they're, they're marketing it. Yeah, yeah.
0: That way. You can see that, and and I just wonder whether or not they've gone a bit too close to the Bond genre in in general. That uh, they they've hit a lot of Bond genre markers in this film. I'm not sure they needed to do that quite so
1: much.
0: Quite so much.
1: But you did enjoy it, even though clearly you didn't understand what was going on for most of the film, and uh, neither did I for the first time round.
0: Well, there's definitely um, some of it. I got there's definitely circular elements to it, which I think you benefit from probably from watching it more than once. Things that are happening early on in the film Mm -hmm. are as a result of uh, you know. Time travel, or a form a form of time travel. Yeah. Um, th- therefore, there are things going on early on which you may not fully understand why or what's uh, what's happening that that sort of come th- full circle and do make sense at the end. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think watching it a second time, you'd probably be more aware of all that and could probably make more sense of it.
1: Yeah, because people are no longer speaking in riddles. But yeah. in the same way as Inception. When we watched Inception recently, it's not confusing at all. No,
0: I don't think so. And that's
1: bizarre, because ten years ago, it was really confusing. Everybody was confused. And I think people are going to say the same thing. I think that's what Christopher Nolan does. I don't don't think Interstellar was quite as confusing, except for the the bits about how far away each planet was and what time you'd lose when you go there. But I just remember when Inception came out, people criticised it, and they were like, this is too complicated, I'm really confused. Yeah, and then now you watch it, and you're like, okay, a dream within a dream within a dream within a dream. There's still some complicated bits in the whole, um, uh, what's it called, um, limbo area. Mm. That that was still confusing to me ten years later. But I think the same with this is that it is impossible for you to watch a Christopher Nolan film nowadays once and completely understand it. You have to be explained. It's like he tells you the thing he's going to show you, and then when you watch it again, you realise he's told you the thing. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I understand that now, because then you gave me a visual example, Mm. which was your entire movie. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: It was very much an action movie. I thought it was the most action-centred since Inception, really. Well, I suppose Dunkirk has action, but it's a different kind of... Like, it doesn't have spy action. It no, has war, no. action. war action although there is a big war segment um, towards the end of tenet, which shouldn't be too much of a spoiler but yeah there's very much there's a military aspect to the film
0: yeah I, I don't know whether I think that uh, that the concept itself um, is not as i don't think it's as, it's, it's as free-flowing or as interesting to view as the concept of dreams and inception or interstellar flight and interstellar. I I think that this idea of sort of backwards time travel, which might sound on the face of it interesting, the way it plays out in the film is just inherently confusing. Um, I I, I don't know if it will ever be as highly regarded as Inception, actually. I don't think it will be as as well regarded as interstellar in the course of time. I'm not saying I don't think it's a good film, I should Mm -hmm. say. I just don't think it quite ranks up there with those two.
1: I would again say from my position of having watched it twice... Yeah,
0: you think it does? I
1: disagree, yeah. But that's because not only did I watch it twice, I also looked on Reddit and someone's put a timeline, which really helps. (laughs) It really does. I knew someone was going to do it. I was waiting for someone to do it, and then this cool person... Called uh, P3CK, shout outs, um, did it. And I sent them a message thanking them, saying, thank God someone did this. And when you have that and two watches, I I personally, but I'm personally really into sci fi time travel films. Even though this is not technically a time travel film, what is really interesting about it is that um, uh, Robert Pattinson's character, Neil, throughout the film says, what happened, happened. Because always the issue with time travel films is like the butterfly effect or grandfather paradox, all of these things where if you go back and change something, then you've completely fucked up the future and none of you, and you shouldn't exist. It's kind of back to the future stuff if you're going to lead it to another film. And in this film, I think the reason why Christopher Nolan wanted to make it is because technically if you agree with the concept that inversion could exist Mm -hmm. which just to be clear to people is kind of moving backwards through linear time you as a person are moving backwards but time is still going forwards it's a very strange concept but it makes a little bit more sense than just getting in a machine and then suddenly ending up at 200 years earlier if you agree with that it's actually possible that everything in the film can happen all these different things happening at the same time and it hasn't affected the timeline
0: okay yeah fair enough it's
1: hard for me to explain when we get to the spoiler part then i'll explain in a bit more detail but i think nolan is always very committed to trying to be as as Close to science as possible while yeah. being entertaining. Yeah,
0: and I, 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 I get the feeling that he he gets his sort of teeth into certain uh, concepts, uh, cerebral concepts at, at times. Like I think he's uh, clearly had a fascination with dreams and what they and, and how and how they could be utilised in a sci-fi environment. Yep. clearly had a, a fascination with interstellar flight and concepts of of gravity and black holes and yep. how that plays out in Interstellar. He's definitely looking at um, another scientific concept here. I'm not convinced that it is as fundamentally entertaining to watch as Dreams or Interstellar Flight. Um, I'm not sure it's been utilised particularly well.
1: Let me ask you a question. Do you prefer a sci-fi film or a Bond film?
0: Probably a sci-fi film.
1: And I think that's why you say that. Mm. To be honest though, I prefer a sci-fi film. But I feel like this is a nice marriage between the two genres. I think there are people who are going to really enjoy the action in this. There's a lot of set pieces. There's some fighting. um, There's some cool stuff where you see someone moving backwards and, and having a fight. And therefore you see weird things happen. And that looks really cool on the big screen. Um, There's a lot of stuff happening with music and sound as well. Um, And I think for those reasons, it actually packs more in than Interstellar, maybe not Inception. By the way, I love Inception. I love Interstellar. I'm putting this equal. I'm not necessarily saying it's better. I'm saying it's equal to them because it's a slightly different concept. And Mm -hmm. I, like I just said, I... I really enjoy the idea that this feels believable, like it's set kind of now, Yeah. even though it relates to stuff that's happening in the future and going backwards, it's still basically about people living in the world now, like there's no flying cars, there's there's, everything else apart from this inversion concept, it is completely normal to us, except for it's just the playground of the rich and famous.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, and how spies work, as in, you know, they can hire a lot of people and suddenly get all these people to be driving cars or, you know, they can get an airplane to smash into um, a hangar. Like, it, it's, it, it's, it's believable, even if it's not realistic for most people's lives. Does that make sense? It's everything that they do, well, think... apart from inversion. <laughs> It could happen in a Bond film. Yes, right
0: now. yeah, I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> there's nothing kind of sci-fi about the world, um, other, other than the inversion. Um, yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, I still think it's too close to a Bond film though. Um, I, but what,
1: you're saying that there's something wrong about there being more Bond films. No,
0: right? I, I I think there's nothing wrong with having a spy thriller if that's what you want to do. Yeah. But it it almost feels like a carbon copy <laughs> of a Bond film. Uh, every every trope that exists in a Bond film exists here. It's just you've got the time travel concept superimposed on top. Yeah. And I just wonder whether that's just too much. Whether you're whether, whether you've got two two very distinct genres there that you you. you that don't really marry that well. I wonder whether the film loses anything if, if the plot moves away from spy or becomes a little less Bond esque. Still be a spy thriller. But you
1: don't think that's what people want? People are wanting a Bond well, film.
0: Maybe, but then if they want to watch a Bond film, they can watch a Bond film. Yeah, but there are
1: still other films like I don't know Kingsman or some Guy Ritchie stuff or I don't know what else was at the top of my mind. But there are lots of films that try and emulate spy networks. Yeah. So it's not like Tenet is the only one. And Nolan likes to take a genre, doesn't he? And then ma- and then like Nolanize it.
0: Well, I think I think, for example, if you take I don't know if you compare, say, the Bourne films to Bond films, that they 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 both operating in this spy universe, but they're they're distinct. They have different styles. Oh, about you're
1: Bourne. Them. Sorry, it's, it's, that's the best. that's the best.
0: Yeah, um, a spy film that's it, not Bond. It's just a different concept. Yeah. I mean, it's a spy genre film, yes. but you can feel the difference. This feels like you take Goldfinger hmm. and you impose, and you literally. Take exactly the same characters. I mean, you could almost read them, like, line for line, straight off. Um, and then just impose a bit of time travel on it. And I'm, I'm just not sure why I'd want to do that. Why I, wouldn't, why, why, I can still think you can have your spy film, yeah. but try and create your own distinct spy film, if that's what you want to do. Yeah,
1: I see what you're saying. Okay, let's talk about the characterization then, because I think that's kind of where you're going. And then in, I can also talk about the female characterisation mm-hmm. issues... So the the lead characters are John David Washington, who is in practically every scene. Uh, Robert Pattinson, who plays his character, Neil, who's like a British spy helping him out. Kenneth Branagh as the oligarch Sator, who is the big bad in the film. And then his wife, Kat, played by Elizabeth Debicki, who's sort of like... Ish damsel in distress. Ish. That's a bit. That's redundant. Um, what's the word? That's reductive um, um, to her. She's not that bad. And then you also have Bond
0: pa- girl. That's what I would describe. She,
1: her yeah, she, yeah, maybe. I suppose so. She's the Bond girl. And then there is the character Priya, played by Dimple Kapadia, who is at least another female character. And I don't want to say too much about her because it might ruin the plot. Um, but she's in it a bit. Um, this film completely fails the back test. Like you would not believe, like no female character interacts with another female character. There's also a character um, who is a soldier who comes into it later, who's got like one scene, and she's in a couple of other things, but one major scene where she speaks, and she actually gets uh, gives um, plot detail. And there's also Clements Posey, who plays a scientist, who people would have probably seen from a trailer, who is the one catching the inverted bullets so you have got four female characters there
0: yeah they just don't interact
1: they don't interact they're all at different points and they're all used except for debicki and and um Capadia uh, to a point that they're kind of used for exposition devices although this is an entire this is a film entirely about um exposition because you kind of have to because you've got so much happening and so much needs to be explained everybody nobody says anything like for a laugh except there was one oh, there was one line in it because I remember thinking oh my god there's a joke um <laughs> and then normally by our parts he's he's very good in it but yes and um, you could easily have swapped out i think one of the one of the characters that interacts it doesn't even have to be a big p- person but who interacts um with Um, the protagonist and Neil with another woman and then you could get it, Bechdel passing. Um, It's not like you get um, John David Washington speaking to another black person either. There is the actor, Himish Patel, who is English, but it says here, was born in Zambia and his father was born in Kenya and he spoke Gujarati, but I thought he was actually playing an Indian.
0: Character, I'm
1: not sure. yeah, he had a like he had he had an accent which I don't think is his normal accent, and um, so there is John David Washington. So there are two people of colour, two men of colour speaking to each other, mm-hmm. but no women, no women. And, and uh, the dimple kapadia is Indian, so um, you know, the, the there's that. So you could argue that in a way, uh, Nolan has widened the type of person who is playing his characters, yeah. But it's just, he really just doesn't think women can do real action things. It's quite hard as well, because it it doesn't really have many characters, does Um, it? The film, like, there's only really like six people that do anything in that film? Apart from like background. Probably.
0: Um, But, you know, I don't want to, I don't mean to go back to this, but if you were making a Bond film, would you not have made it the same way, which is sort of a, Primary male protagonist, another mm. sort of hanger-on male protagonist, for the other half, if you like, um,
1: your Q or your M or your yeah, Felix. or
0: Felix Leiter, yeah. someone like that. Yeah. Um, a Bond girl. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: an or evil, two. an evil, and it has to be said, nearly yeah. exclusively male yeah. villain. It's uh, again, if, if you, if, yeah, this you is didn't, like Doctor do No, that. Goldfinger, yeah. those
1: classic ones. Yeah. Yes. So just. Just because you're emulating a Bond film, it doesn't mean you have to emulate the sexist, yeah, the set, racist, yeah, the, g- the, g- the gender or the race. You yeah. could. Ch- I mean, they yeah. did. I, yeah, you know, I, yeah.
0: I, 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 there, there, are, there are some question marks about that. I mean, um, should
1: we talk about Branagh?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say. So <laughs> Kenneth Branagh does. You know, he plays the role well. The, the evil. Russian billionaire. Oh yeah,
1: you genuinely um, believe he is a horrible person.
0: You know, I don't think Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh ever delivers a bad performance, quite frankly.
1: No, um, but he's now got this and Poirot, and he has got a line in dodgy European accents going, <laughs> yeah? Because this is like a Rusky kind like of... like the evil
0: I'm Russian, you
1: Yes, know. I don't want to do anything else because it sounds racist. Um... um uh, and his Poirot is even worse. Let's not even go there. But at least his Poirot's got like an edge of like humour about it with his big Tash. But anyway, um, yeah, well, he, he is doing his best. He's playing it as seriously as he can do.
0: Yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah. Think-
1: and also, he doesn't have to worry. Like, there's quite a few things that happen with people going back and forwards in time. Which I can imagine. I'm sure I saw an uh, an interview with Valpatz, and he was saying, "I don't really know what's going on when I'm filming these scenes." But I think <laughs> Kenneth Branagh's scenes are easier for him to to film because mostly he's just playing a scary yeah. Russian billionaire arms dealer. Do you think
0: he looked? Do you think he based his look a little bit certain in terms of hair, on hair, on facial hair? No. no. On, <laughs> Someone like Roman Abramovich?
1: Oh, yeah, that's a better one. Sorry, he doesn't uh, look like Putin at all. He does, does look a little bit. There's a, there's a bit... He's kind of more
0: pudgy than Abramovich, obviously. You know, but...
1: like, when you notice something in a film and you rewatch the film and you notice it again and you're like, right, I've noticed it twice now, so it's a thing. There's a bit in the film where he's on a yacht and he's walking past his bodyguard. And obviously his bodyguards are massive, mm. but he's got a white shirt on and he looks tiny in comparison well, to not the bodyguard. A, not
0: that taller guy, No, he?
1: but he's probably taller than, like, five six five seven and he looks about that and i just thought wow they really are making him like a um yeah like a i don't know how tall bramovich is but like a putin character who's like so upset about his height he's like an angry small man yeah maybe yeah Yeah, so um so there was that he's got i think I, i think all of the performances are excellent To the extent that they are able to emote what they can do. Except for Clements Posey, who seems in a shit mood, probably because she's like, I thought I'd be in this film for more than this, than five minutes at the beginning. And she is just so like... I'm a scientist. Yeah, I spend mm. all my
0: time explaining this yeah. shit to other people. Yeah.
1: yeah. Now, if I remember rightly, she's just as an aside, she's had two kids. I think she might have had a second one now or she's pregnant with a second one and she hasn't really revealed who the father is. So maybe she's just exhausted mm. looking after kids in real life <clears> and she's doing this film and she's like, I can't bother to put anything into this. But that's probably what Nolan said. Be a scientist. Like, be like, who, who is Q. it? Q. Yeah, BQ. I think she
0: is Q, yeah. actually.
1: But um, she's no fun. Ben Whishaw is at least a bit fun. Yeah, I know. This 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 film is. I love this film to death. It is humourless. That's why I remember when there's like one tiny bit of. He doesn't really crack like like even in Inception he was like Dream bigger, darling. Like there were a couple of things that I liked, and in this, R. Pat's is the only person who is bringing any kind of joke. And I get that, that. Is serious.
0: Yeah, I think some of the delivery as well mm. is there's there's there is quite. I mean, like there's. A standard amount of dialogue in this film, but virtually everything that's said is relevant in some way uh, to to the plot or to the concept, the scientific concepts, and they and they they go through it at a rate of knots that so you really have to be paying attention to every piece of dialogue. You, you you know you tune out at your peril in this film. Well,
1: and that was the thing about when you and I watched it together the sound quality was bad. And when I watched it at another cinema the second time, the sound quality was much better. Now, I'm sure I was attuned, but I was further back in the cinema and the sound quality was better. And I was like, wow, actually, when the cinema is good enough, you can hear a lot more. Well, a (laughs) a bit more. A bit more. I still didn't hear every line. There are some bits where, do you remember when they're in the catamaran and they're doing that sailing? Yeah. And they've got masks on and it's a catamaran. It's like literally like Christopher Nolan saying... Ha ha ha, you don't know what's going on, and then I'm going to get the loudest possible scene and people wearing masks where they say the really important stuff, and you can't even hear it, even on the second time round. So, like, he wants you to watch this film five times, yeah. I think, um, fair enough, but this is also the case for, for Nolan saying, Look, my films are intellectual, you've got to listen to every single thing someone says, please watch it on 70 millimeters at the IMAX. Then you'll actually get it. Although I wish I had a subtitle screening. I would go and see it again for subtitles. I'll tell you one thing I will say about this film. I've now watched it for five hours. It went past in the blink of an eye. Mm. The way he paces his films is amazing. You are not given a second to breathe, but in a good way. i was suddenly like, wow, I'm at the end again. And this is a long film that I'm at the end
0: of. Yeah, I, I, I do have... I think lengthwise it was actually fine. I, I agree. I think it. it I think there Race are. There are there are some films that N- Nolan does where I think they drag on, sort mm. of twenty minutes too long. Mm. Uh, I think The Dark Knight is one that I think could do with that twenty minutes shaving off it. In, in, in my view, um,
1: yes. Although when I watched it recently, I, I and maybe that's just because it was home. Whereas before I'd watched it at the IMAX. Um, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Maybe because I knew it was going to be that long so I was like hitting the beats. He's yeah. very much about the beats. He's like, we're in this yeah. country now. We're with this character now. Boom, boom. You need 20 minutes for all yeah. of these things. But
0: one thing also about Nolan films is they tend to have a good finale. It tends to build to a, to a crescendo. Yes. Um... And it's that circular crescendo. It's that thing that he's been setting up the whole film, and it all comes. Yes. Everything comes around. And it yes. all sort of clicks. That's in.
1: probably Jonah Nolan um, as well, because didn't he write the three films in your eye trilogy? I think he did. Yeah, yeah. and he, um, he he definitely wrote Tenet.
0: What I would say about the conclusion of Tenet is I think it was a little bit underwhelming um, when I com- when I compare it to Inception and when I compare it to Interstellar and when I compare it to. Probably the Batman trilogy at, at, in at large um i don't mm. think I, I don't think it was it was as spectacular as it could have been
1: again from watching it a second time the first time, so without spoiling too much we've kind of alluded to this. There, there there's like a military scene and i would say it gives like it reminded me of full metal jacket just because of the the um location of where it takes place and some of this might be in trailers so we're not spoiling too much but i think that's the bit that you're referring
0: to yeah yeah that is the bit that i'm yeah. referring to now i think <sighs> Don't want to don't want to sound like a broken record here, mm-hmm. um, but I think as a comparison to Bond films, that film. they tend to end mm-hmm. in that that manner, where you big you,
1: shootout, big
0: big shootout, mm-hmm. where where Bond gets,
1: yeah. I don't
0: know, some Marines or the CIA, and they all go in and they and they attack the enemy base and stuff like that, and he manages to get the girl and just about get out in time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think there's an attempt to emulate that, but it's it's just not that gripping. I didn't think. I I, I think it's a bit of a it's a bit of a hodgepodge. It's not really well. It's not really well structured in a sort of macro sense. Well, I don't think you can really see what's going well, on. Well,
1: this is again where I'd say and we'll get to this because what we'll do now is I'm going to give a summary shortly of the film, a longer summary which gives everything away. Well, to the extent that I understood it, spoilers. And then I think we should talk about the spoiler. Wish to have an analysis of the film after the spoilers. Okay. And I would say, having seen it again, it is much more thrilling because I understand what some characters are doing, and they're doing things that you don't realize. Yeah, I, I the think first time. I around. can believe
0: that, um, and yeah. I, I'm sure when I watch it again, and I, I will watch it again. Yeah, you'll um, be like,
1: ah, I, I'm so sure. I'm sure it deal. will make
0: more. Yes. Uh, it, 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 that that scene will be a bit more um, interesting mm. as it was the one and only time I've watched it. Yeah. it just kind of went on without any real hmm. sort of sense of what was going on. Um, in my view. But yeah. uh, you know.
1: Let me say that watching it twice is a bit like inverting. So I've basically inverted okay. the beginning of the film and I know a bit more about it. And so when I'm watching it through, I'm like, oh they're doing that actually. And now I know because they've told me that at the beginning. So I think he is a genius. I think I mentioned this already, that you are literally doing the same thing when you're watching this film again that is happening to the characters. But I would say that that ending, I agree with you, is not as thrilling as some other films. I don't generally find Bond film endings as thrilling because that's not the part that appeals to me in a film. No, and, and you Particularly wouldn't Particularly not in a time you know, travel. And you wouldn't or And you wouldn't be and you wouldn't film. be alone.
0: I mean like in, in, yeah. in terms of like they they can be um it, it's, I like set it's, just, it's just it's just it's yeah. the, the the tradition of the Bond film, the old Bond film anyway, yeah. certainly the Sean Connery and the Roger Moore ones yes. is is you get the navy seals and the marines and you all pile into the Russian oligarch's base and you'd kill all these or soldiers all wearing dish, or wearing orange or on a, the moon
1: or on the space or...
0: station or wherever it happens yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it's that
1: Underwater. and I
0: think there's a very obvious Crocodiles. attempt to, emu- to emulate yeah. that yeah. Um, and it sort of you know, all goes a bit pear shaped I think but there yeah. you are
1: yeah okay so overall on your one watch how do you rate it?
0: i will give it a 7. Out of 10? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Out of 10 it. Okay. And anything else you want to say before we go into spoiler territory? Um, If you like Bond films, you will enjoy Yeah, yeah.
0: I I think that... I think if you like old Bond films, I'm not sure that the Daniel Craig ones necessarily follow that that pathway. I think it's more of a Uh, Sean Connery, Roger Moore style of Bond film. Yeah. Then you're probably going to like it. Um, I would also say... Um, and I will be doing this, I know you've done it, it it Hmm. probably bears watching more than once. I don't think you watch it once and you're going to get... In that respect, by the way, Hmm. it did remind me a little bit of Memento. I don't think you can watch Memento once... I think you have to go and watch it again because only really at about halfway through when I watched Memento did I really understand what was actually happening. Yeah. So that meant I had to go back and watch the first half of the film all over again just to get make sense of it all. Yeah. And I think it probably fits into that category.
1: Well, with Memento, there's a version where you can watch it the other direction, but I actually don't think you can do that with Tenet because mm. that's not the point because um, the point is some people are going... I, d- I don't want to say too much. I think we should save this for the spoilers. So all in all, I really loved it. And after the second time flew by, yes, it absolutely fails the Bechdel test. However, it does have female characters on screen for a fair amount, particularly for a Nolan film, although not as good as Interstellar, which I think is much better. Um, It is a classic Nolan film, but if you do go and see it, you should either just sit back and enjoy the spectacle and not bother trying to work it out, because then I think you'll have a good time. Or, if you are trying to understand something, face the fact that you will need to watch it yeah. more than once.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I think I agree.
1: Okay, anything else you want to say before uh, spoilers?
0: don't think so. Go ahead with the spoiler, then we, we talk in greater detail.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: That part is a little dramatic.
1: So, I to just to make it clear, I'm about to summarise the film in less than 10 minutes hopefully (laughs) we'll see because that's an important part of the film that you will find out um this is a full spoiler um explanation of the plot which maybe you'll want to listen to if you're confused um and I think I'm quite confident that I've got most of this in um and then after that we will discuss the film again With all the spoilers. I think it's interesting. Okay, so Nick is setting a timer. Hang on, let me get ready. Yes.
0: Okay, your ten minutes starts now.
1: The film starts in an opera house. um, I think in the Ukraine. And... uh uh, john david washington plays a character called the protagonist and he is a cia operative which you kind of work out later he is tasked with finding something called the asset which you first think is a person but it's actually some kind of radioactive weapon thing so all of these bad guys Um, uh, go into this opera house where this guy is to try and get him for nefarious reasons and um, uh, the protagonist then comes in, pretends to be a cop and then finds the person and says show me where it is and he gives him a, a ticket to a cloakroom and then he gets out some kind of weird square Weapon. So that's the first scene of the film. Now what also happens, which is important, is that he sees this weird bullet hole and then a bullet seems to invert backwards from it into a gun and that goes into a person who was probably going to try and kill him and that gun was, that, that bullet was shot or caught by an unknown person who has a little coin dangling from their bag. So, cut two he's got this silver thing he doesn't know what it is. he thinks it's it's some kind of like radiation weapon or something. He gets back into the van he came out of, but then he gets taken hostage by some dodgy Russians who then beat him up and extract his teeth and say, "Who are you working for and he um he uh doesn't reveal anything and instead he gets his teeth extracted and it's horrible and he eventually gets a cyanide capsule and eats it which i think is a classic thing in in spy films to to die rather than um get tortured and reveal your sources and then you think he might be dead but then he wakes up on this ship and this guy says welcome to the afterlife and he's like right i'm not dead i thought i had a cyanide capsule he's like no you're in a coma we've rebuilt your mouth you um uh you've passed a test to join this organization called tenet and he says there's a hand signal which is two hands together and oh my god it was an eight minutes and um uh and a word tenet and then um this guy is like we're going to set you up to find out more we need to find out what's happening uh with the with the asset that you got because it's gone out of their hands now this metal thing so um then he's given a uh he's put on another boat and he's taken somewhere to shore. You don't know where. And he's got Hiver's jacket on. And he's told to go into this facility. He goes to this facility. And that's where he meets Clemence Posey's character, who I don't know what her name is because no one ever says it, um, who is a scientist. And that's when the bit from the trailers comes out. And she says to him, uh, we have got these weapons and um, things that have been sent back from the future to now. And they're inverted. And then she explains inversion. And she's like, it means that things go backwards through time. And it's to do with entropy, and it doesn't matter because I'm not going to be able to do this in seven more minutes. So then uh, the protagonist says to her, okay, I need to work out who's doing this, who makes the bullets. And um, if they work out who supplied the bullets, then they might be able to work out who's the person taking these things back in time. Uh, And there's some cool scenes where he's, like, catching a bullet in the gun. And uh, then um, they find out it's an arms dealer in Mumbai. So then he goes to Mumbai, and then he calls someone, and he's like, oh, guess what, I'm not dead, can you send someone to come and help me? And then he meets... Uh, Robert Pattinson's character, who's called Neil, who's a British spy, who's in the very classic mould of a British drunken spy, and um, he's like, right, I'm here to help you, Uh, and they then bungee jump into the mansion of the Mumbai arms dealer, and they think it's the husband, but actually not. It's the wife, who is called Priya and is played by Dimple Kapadia, and um, she's like, I didn't invert the bullets, I sold them to this guy called Andre Sater. Um, I don't know what's going on there. And he's like, how do I get to Sator? And she's like, I'll introduce you to someone I know in London, and they can help you. He goes to London, and he meets Michael Caine, whose character is called Sir Michael. And um, then there's a convoluted plot about a Goya painting where he says, I can't get you to meet Sator. So I think he's a British spy as well. I can't get you to meet Sator, but maybe you can try and blackmail his wife or get, get to him through his wife. His wife is an art dealer. Oh, ah, five and a half minutes. His wife is an art dealer, and she accidentally sold to her husband a goya that she thought was real but was actually made by a man called arepo and was a really good um fake and now she wants to leave her husband but because she's like money laundered or, or whatever um they have a son together called max who's like eight or something um he's got hold over her and he's like you can never leave me because i'll tell everyone and then you'll go to prison for extortion or sorry um embezzling or something like that. So he's like, "I need to get your husband. How about if I get rid of this painting? If we get rid of this painting, then you'll be free. You just need to introduce me to your husband." She's like, "Okay, fine. Get rid of the painting, and then I'll help you." So then, him and Neil go to um, a freeport uh, in Norway, and a freeport is something where people store their art so it doesn't get taxed before they've sent it on to the final country. So it's kind of outside of all laws, and it's very high tech storage facility and they think, the protagonist and Neil think that Sator is hiding some like reverse material there so they plan this huge thing where they crash an airplane into the freeport as a ruse so they can get into the rooms because it's got these sophisticated systems if there's a fire or what have you and they want to get into this final room in the middle because they think that's where Sator's hiding something and they try and get the painting so they do all of this and it's very cool and then they get to the middle of the room and instead of finding like um some weapons or something that's inverted they find this machine which you later find out is called a turnstile and you see a person go into it on either side and and then um our pats uh neil and the protagonist fight these people they can't see what they look like because they've got full riot gear on they fight these people and one of these people is fighting backwards and you can tell they've been inverted so that's how you realize that people can be inverted as well so then they're like oh, okay so so, now, so that's what Sator's doing. He can get people to go backwards. They have a fight and then the people run away. So they don't know who those people are they were fighting. They presume they work with Sator. So then they're like, great, we didn't find anything except for these weird machines. What are we going to do now? So then they have to go to Italy because they need to meet Sator. And that's where he currently is on holiday with Kat. So Sator and the protagonist eventually meet. And the, the way that the protagonist worms his way into um uh, the Satyr's heart is by saying, "I've got some plutonium. I can, I sorry, I can, I can uh, pull a heist to get this plutonium, which I know you need because you make um, nuclear arms." And so Satyr's like, "Fine, okay. If you can get me the plutonium, then I'll give you some information about inversion." And he's like, "Oh, also, you have to keep Cat safe because he seems to be like a domestic abuser who's horrible to Cat." Okay, oh, two minutes forty-three. Okay, so. Then there's a whole scene that's in Tallinn, which is where the plutonium is being transported by the police from one place to another. And then uh, the protagonist and Neil as a crew have to pull a heist to get the plutonium. And so the protagonist gets into this van. It's very cool on this motorway. I gets into this articulated lorry in order to take the plutonium. But it's not plutonium. It's another metal box thing. And he's like, what is this? And then Neil says, no, that's what he really wants. It's really important. Then suddenly they see these cars turn up and then they see this car drive backwards really fast down the motorway and it's Sator with a mask on like a gas mask holding his wife Kat and he goes three two one and then he's like um give me the weapon and so the protagonist is like oh god he's gonna kill Cat if we're not careful so he gives him he throws the box with the radio with whatever it is the nuclear thing inside it and then the, oh god what have I got oh I'm not gonna do it so then the cat um, uh, is left in the car going backwards, and she's going to die. Like, uh, Sator gets out of the car and just leaves her to die. And so the protagonist has to save her. He saves her by jumping in the car and pressing the brakes so it doesn't go back. But then they both get taken hostage by Sator. And then Sator says, You didn't throw me the thing, you've hidden it somewhere. Where is it? Which car is it in? So obviously, the protagonist didn't throw him the silver box thing, he actually hid it somewhere else. And um, then Sator, uh shoots a uh, cat in the uh, back, and he's inverse, and she's going the right way round. And an inverse bullet, Clements Posey says at the beginning of the film, can damage you um, because it's not because it, it's not supposed to go through a person going the right way. So then suddenly. Um uh, Neil says I'm going to bring in the cavalry and the pro- protagonist is like who's the cavalry and then you realise there's this whole unit, military unit led by Aaron Taylor Johnson who's called Ives um, which is doing something called a temporal pincer movement which is what they're trying to stop, Sat do something bad um, which is they can invert, go back in time, try and stop him doing things but that's when Neil says whatever's happened, happens so if you go back in time you can change certain things, but you can't change everything. And so the protagonist says, I need to go back in time because I want to save Kat. And if we take her through back in time and then take her through a turnstile, which is one of those machines which allows you to invert and then come back, we will save her life. Otherwise, she had three hours to live. So they then go back in time. And then there's like the second part of the film, which is things backwards. So you go through the hole. Oh, keep going. Keep going. Okay. So I've done 10 minutes. That, that's... okay so oh. so I basically did the first part of the film in 10 minutes this is good <laughs> so now I'm gonna do the second part backwards in 10 minutes so we'll start it again so start it again okay. and we'll go from going backwards so the protagonist goes backwards he inverts through a machine and then basically you see the scenes you've just seen previously but he's going backwards you see the car chase but then you realize that what happened was he's driving forwards in the past that you've already seen he's also driving backwards where he's inverted and he's trying to track the metal thing and then he realizes that well the audience realizes he must have known this already he saw himself in another car and he threw the metal thing, into the other car instead of into Sator's car, which means he kind of knew that he'd inverted back in time and tried to get it. Unfortunately, Sator also realised he did this. Sator gets him. Basically, you realise that he gives Sator this alg- uh, this machine part. I haven't got to the algorithm yet. Um, and then um, he sets his car on fire. And because of entropy, which is what happens to heat, Uh, when you go forwards in time if something is on fire when you're inverted you actually get freezing so then he nearly died the protagonist is stuck in a car crash satyr has gone off with this silver part Um, then neil saves him and he said oh you're the first person to die in a heat car crash who might have died in a heat car crash of hypothermia and they've still got cat and they're still going back in time because they want to go back to norway which is where the freeport was um, I don't know if I said it was in Norway before... And they... Um, what If they put her through the machine... She'll be coming the right way forward... She'll be... There'll be a week back in time... But she won't die... Because the bullet will have inverted back through her... Or something like that... In the meantime... Neil, um, the protagonist is like Neil. You're not telling me the truth. You've done some of this before, haven't you? And basically, Neil is kind of like an inverter time traveler person who's trying to stop Sator from blowing up the world. So the protagonist sees Neil. Um, oh my god! There's still so much to go. He sees Priya. I'm going to try and like condense it. What? Well, forgot eight minutes. I'm trying to condense it. There's still twenty minutes of the plot. Jesus. Um, sorry everyone. And he meets Priya again even though it's actually at another point in time. This is all very confusing. Um, and Priya says what happened was in the future a woman scientist created this weapon called the algorithm machine where she could work out how to do inversion but like Oppenheimer during the Manhattan project when she created the machine she realized it could be used for nefarious reasons because if you invert using this machine um, and then turn it on you can actually create a big crunch the opposite of the big bang and blow up the entirety of space and time and existence and, and she then sends nine pieces of this machine back in time so that they can be hidden Then she kills herself. However, in the future, the future's gone to shit and it's very climate changey, a bit like the start of Interstellar. And um, there is a nefarious group of people, you don't know who they are, but they basically send some things back in time to Sator when he was young and growing up in like um, radiation ukraine um and tell him that they'll make him a billionaire if he gets all these parts together and turn on this machine um and that's what's happening is that there's is that the protagonist realizes that him and neil and the Tenet group need to stop that machine being made and turned on by sata because if it is then that's the end of the world and then some other things happen and Kat says oh by the way um uh he has a te- has pancreatic cancer and he's going to die anyway so when he dies he has linked himself with a bracelet to the algorithm machine and he's going to blow it up because what you realize through the film is because of what happened in the opera house and because of what happened in the car chase in tarlin with the fake plutonian uh satan now has all of the nine pieces of the machine and he has created the algorithm machine and he's going to go back in time to a time when he had a nice life and then he's going to kill himself and at the point that he dies it will trigger the machine to go off because he's decided if he's going to die the entirety of space and time in the world's going to die So they realised that that, um, when uh, the protagonist met with Michael Caine uh, in London, many moons ago in this uh, discussion, uh, Michael Caine said there was an explosion in, um, I think it is, in Siberia two weeks ago. So they've realised that they think that explosion is where they are burying the algorithm machine and linking it to Sater's bracelet um, so that no one else can find it. But now they, now the protagonist and the team understand that that's where it is. They know they have to travel back in time to Siberia um, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whatever it ends up being, and stop that happening. Because if they stop that, then Saito doesn't link it to doesn't link the machine to him. They can take the machine apart and stop the apocalypse. So in the interim, because Kat's already gone back in time, because they had to heal her, they went back a week because the Norway Freeport siege was a week ago. They send her back to um the holiday, which was the which was um a nice holiday that Sato was having, uh, with Kat, his wife. Um Uh, until he makes her an offer saying you can leave but you never get to see max your son ever again and so cat is sent back to pretend to be the current cat instead of she's the cat from the future that's been shot and to stop sato from killing himself before the um, military team hired by the protagonist run by ives uh, retrieve the algorithm when it's buried this is all very confusing i get that even with explaining it so then you get to the end of the film the denouement where you have two teams in they're called the red team and the blue team they all travel back in military helicopters to two weeks ago um in siberia and one team is going to go ahead and try and work out what um uh moving inverting through time to work out what satos guards are doing to try and bury this algorithm machine then they are going to then they're going to tell the other team which has got ives and the protagonist in it um, and they are going to move forwards in time, so they've learned from it. they call it a temporal pincer movement, which is one team learns something to come in from one side of time and then the other team coming from the other side of time, and their job is to get the algorithm machine. However, the only people that know about the algorithm machine are the protagonists Ives and Neil. Um, because I don't want to tell anyone else, because if anyone gets their hands on it, they could join it together and destroy the world. So, you see cuts of these two military scenes, which are very, very cool, with these walls coming in and out. It's in this very stark area, buildings going up and down, where you've got some people inverting an explosion, some people exploding, all these people against each other as... Um, the protagonist. What am I on? Two forty-one. Okay, I can do this. The protagonist and I've moved forward towards this bunker to try and get this algorithm machine before it is linked to the bracelet on Sator's arm. So they call it the uh, the dead drop or dead stop machine. Um, so that when he dies, um, the machine will blow up the whole world. And then this is when it gets really cool. So Kat is on the um, uh, ship with Sator. Um, trying to stop him from doing anything bad. But then she really, really hates him, so she decides to kill him with a gun the protagonist gave her earlier on in the movie, um, which she's not supposed to do because if he's linked to the algorithm machine, when she shoots him, the whole machine blows up and the whole Times Place blows up. But she manages to kill him because what she didn't want is for Sater to die and then kill everyone else, including her son. Um, and in the meantime... Neil is at the Siberian base, and he realises that Sator had already known that they were going to come and uh, fight them and try and stop the algorithm machine getting linked, because he's already travelled back in time. There's a lot of people travelling back in time and then reinverting, so they're going forwards in time, but they're like two weeks earlier, and then... So, the goons who work for Sator, they make an explosion in the bunker, which traps Ives and the protagonist in the bunker, and then Neil realises this is happening, so then he finds a turnstile inversion machine that the the, the Sator's goons have been using. He goes back in time, at, at least a couple of times, and he does different things. There's a part where there is a man dead on the floor, and there is a locked door and Ives and the protagonist can't get into where the algorithm machine is and the head henchman is there stopping it and then this person has got a little um, uh, gold coin on their bag and the protagonist is like, oh, that's the person who saved my life in the opera house. Then that person suddenly comes alive and opens the door which allows the protagonist and Ives to come in to stop the henchman and uh, to retrieve the algorithm machine thus saving the world and right at the very end um, Neil is driving a van and he manages to hook uh, Ives and the machine and the protagonist onto this van and drive them backwards so when time runs out they've got the machine the world has been saved and Kat dives off the, the ship and earlier in the film she saw a woman diving off the ship and you realise that it's her from a week earlier so we're very nearly there oh seven seconds okay on the very end of the film Priya is trying to kill Kat because apparently she ties up loose ends <coughs> And Kat might be a loose end, but instead Cat makes a phone call on a phone that she's been given by the protagonist. And the protagonist suddenly appears in Priya's car and uh, he kills Priya, but before he dies he goes, I know who founded Tenet, it's me, I do it in the future, I'm your boss, um, and now I'm tying up loose ends. Kills Priya so she can't kill Kat, and then Kat walks off, Sator is dead, she's holding her son Max's hand, they walk off into the sunset. End of plot. I'm exhausted.
0: You have to start looking at the world in a new way.
1: I'm so glad that's over. Um, Has that cleared anything else up for you?
0: No.
1: Oh. (laughs) Well, hopefully that clears it up for somebody, even though I was doing it super fast. And I would recommend this timeline. I'll try and put a link to it so people can see. Um, So, watching it again yeah you really understand that it is possible everything okay because you don't have time travel as such. you have two versions of a person like alive and living at the same time because you have the existing one going through linear time, then you have the future version of that person coming back and doing other stuff, but as long as it doesn't negatively impact on the other, the, the other version of themselves or the other thing, it can happen. Okay. What is so clever about the plot is that everything can happen. There's no butterfly effect because you, you haven't changed things. Everything that you're doing now theoretically has already happened. It's just you weren't there to see it because you were paying, you were your old self. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why, and I was very confused because when Cat kills Sator, I was like, but if she's killed him, that's something new but then you realize she's killed the future Sator. so basically this is like a it was like an endless loop i'm guessing he will go through thinking he's going to destroy the world but then at the moment when it's about to happen she kills him but she's a future version and so he dies at that point yeah yeah so um i would say i enjoyed it so much more because it all actually makes sense it's still complicated <laughs> yeah yeah and I would say the other thing that's really important for people when they're watching this film to understand which I didn't the first time round and got it the second time round, is that there's only really one scene where people are wearing the gas masks because they're moving back so you have to have this gas to move backwards in time but you can yeah. actually as long as you find a turnstile like a inversion machine you can move back in time a week, find that machine, go through it again, and then you're going the right way, and you've literally moved your bo- you've moved yourself. Yeah. But there's still the other version of you going through time. Yeah. Through that whole week, but then you've got another version of you that's a future one, going forward, and that makes sense because people kept saying on Reddit, "Why have they not got masks on?" And that's because I don't think the film adequately shows you how. The masks are only when you're travelling back till you get to a machine, back in time, where you can then travel forward again. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't, I think that the concept of moving, having to wear a mask while you're going back in time, that was reasonably explained. Uh, yeah, but then
1: there's, there's whole swathes of the film where people aren't really wearing masks, but they seem to have been back in time. And that's because they've re-inverted, yeah. and they don't really show it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I only
1: learnt that from thinking it through.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I, th- I still think that, that. Yeah, I still think that holds up reasonably well.
1: Yeah, maybe it didn't bother you, but it bothered me because I was like, "Why is no one wearing a mask?" I thought they're going back in time. But there's all these turnstiles. There's one in Norway. There's one in Tallinn. There's one in the bunker. Yeah. And so once, they, once you realise there's all these places, yeah. suddenly it's, it makes sense because they're like time travel points. Even though they keep saying it's not time travel, that's the closest thing. Mm. Um, so I think the science, because you said to me after we watched it the first time, you didn't think the science holds up. But I think watching it again, the science um, does hold up. No, well, hang on. If you believe in inversion.
0: No, no. <laughs> what, what, what I said was the concept of reversed entropy is frankly ludicrous. Um, but if you, if you have a science fiction concept or if you have an idea like that and you run with it, then, then like all science fiction, you can end up with an interesting, um, an an interesting result. It's just...
1: You still think you have to, um, suspend your disbelief.
0: You do, but you do in all science fiction to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, so that... You know, I I think what you've got there is a scientific concept that they mm. thought, okay, well let's let's play with it, let's do this. Mm. Um y- you have to believe that fundamental laws of the universe can be broken, um or at least suspend your disbelief to, to it to understand that they can. Uh, and then uh if you're okay with that, then it will it will flow. The the whole point is to create an interesting temporal situation in the film that you have to really think about, which is fine. That's no problem. Which is
1: different to other time travel films. What it doesn't say is what happens if you go for a poo. Does that mean the poo goes up your bum? Presumably. These are the questions. Well, you have to go and
0: find a shit. You have to go and find the shit. No, it's in the toilet. No, it's in the toilet. It might not be yours. No.
1: It's in the toilet. You're just going to suck it up. Because it's yours. (laughs) No, it's in the toilet because it's yours. That I can get. But the food, because that's why there's a bit where Clemens Place goes, you have to feel it. (laughs) You have to feel that that is your turd in the toilet. Anyway, and also like eating and all and like sleeping seems fine. There are a lot of things that they definitely glossed over. And there's also big chunks of this film you don't realise are where people are asleep. Because they've gone back a week, and you're like, "What did you do for a week? Oh, I slept in a tanker. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. S- slept in an air bubble for a, yeah. for, a for a week. I
1: think Nolan wants to be so clever. Sometimes it would really help if he put calendar dates on things. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? If he just because that's the whole thing with Dunkirk. It needs pop
0: ups. Needs to be like yeah, sort of saying um,
1: one week ago, Norway. Yeah, yeah. Does,
0: doesn't it? it's like, like behind music type. Yeah, <laughs> boop, boop, yeah, pop up video. Yeah. Um,
1: I did not understand half of this without watching it again. There were, there were like, the whole last bit of the film, like you said, you, you're tired. You're tired by that last 20 minutes because you your brain is telling you I'm supposed to be enjoying this, but people are speaking gibberish and so therefore I can't. And I think it really does take it out of you. And it's so nice the second time through. Because you, in your brain, you've got, you've got it somehow. Like I'm not saying I understand everything about it, but I could genuinely watch that scene with the military base and enjoy the spectacle instead of going, "Why are they at a military base? What are they doing?"
0: Um, well, yeah, fine. Um, still not sure about that scene in in general. I, I just think it looked half-baked, that scene. I really didn't, didn't care for it at all.
1: Which, which bit? The bit where they're shooting, the, where yeah. they're going forward and backwards? Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I mean, it's I, just like an army narrative. I, I like the idea, like, I like the concept of the temporal pincer movement. Yeah. But it's difficult to visualise in your head yeah. exactly how that plays out. It
1: really was the second time as um, well. I still don't however,
0: understand. However, the, the issue is, I just think... No problem. I I, I guess there's no problem having a big shootout scene at the end with army types fighting Bond style. Yeah. But it doesn't didn't seem well constructed to me. Um, It it, it wasn't even clear to me who they were shooting at.
1: I I think again, you hear the dialogue a bit better the second time. Maybe. And say it is explained. (coughs) It is explained, but. I only understood it because I'd watched it before. There's there's the bit where I talked about that female character who I don't know who she is and she's only there to deliver mm. exposition and pretend that there are more female characters on screen. Um, uh where she explains this is what we're going to do. So should we quickly just talk about pincer movement so we can try yeah. and get this? So you tell me where I'm wrong, because I, I don't really understand military terms. So a pincer movement, as I understood it, a normal one, is you're, you're, fa- you're fighting an enemy, and so what you do is you come on two sides. You, ha- yes. you divide your squad up into two yeah. bits, so that you're fighting them on both sides. The idea well, being they can't be as strong if they're having to fight two battles.
0: Yeah, what, from what, two different what you're effectively doing in, well, I believe anyway, yeah. uh, in military in standard military terms, is you're yeah. encircling your, your enemy. Because you're moving yes. very quickly down both sides, you encircle them, and then you can attack from from both sides, and, yeah. they're, and they're sort of in trouble. So it makes sense uh, to call it a temporal pincer movement. I think that because it's forward terminal. and
1: backwards in time. Yeah, so you're you're doing moment. it from
0: both sides, basically. Yeah.
1: And what I didn't say in the um, the many things I did not mention in my twenty minute long um, explanation is that both groups, the red team and the blue team, have five minutes on their watches. No, oh, sorry, ten minutes on their watches. Ten, ten it. Um, and But one of them, they're counting down from 10 and the other are going up to 10 because they know that's how long they have to try and, try and thwart this attempt. So that's the temporal part of the pincer movement. But I think the only reason they're doing it is to save lives, which is noble. However, they're in the military. And so therefore, like... I don't know how many more lives they they saved by a temporal pincer movement. Well, they're just trying to they're just trying to say, right, this team don't we're going to well, go backwards? Don't do what we did. You've got to get. And I don't even know. There's a bit where they say we're going to give you intel. How do you give intel? You go, oh, that building's going to fall down at some point. Get out the way. Mm. I don't really understand what temporal intel is they not they didn't have little notebooks writing down that piece of uh, wall falls no, down no. at 7 minutes 55
0: no. please not a do lot. not be in front well, of it not a lot you can do when you're just shooting guns at yeah. what I thought were invisible enemies because I didn't mm. actually see them hitting anybody yeah. um, I think that, that what are your I thoughts think they're about... shooting each other <laughs> In terms of that overall concept... um
1: Well, let what? me talk about the Neil scenes, right? The RPAT scenes at the end. Now, this is the super cool bit, right? That military bit, boring as hell to me. It looks good, the spectacle. I do quite like the build. There's a bit where someone um gets kind of walled up. Do you remember? They get It's like a reverse bit of yeah, blowing nice, up a wall. Yeah, nice and scene. It, it looks, visually, it looks amazing. And the sound's good because the sound changes. It goes forward and back depending me on which you, point of view. Let me view. ask you this. Yeah.
0: Can you? Could is there a way that you could have resolved the film without the use of some sort of yes. temporal military Militarism. command? Yeah. because it smacks a little yeah. bit of um sort of a, a Deus Deus Ex Machina style. Uh. if only we had a temporal army to solve this. So, what. Well, fortunately we do
1: well I don't know though Tenet is created in the future that's the point of this Tenet isn't even created in this film this film is ripe for a sequel it's like they wrote it on that basis which is weird because I don't really feel like I know he did it with Batman so maybe he wants to do it with this but um, there's very much a lot of talk about you haven't invented Tenet yet and that doesn't even happen in this film it's more, it's about him chronologically discovering Tenet and then realising that he's the one that creates it so What I really like best about time travel films is when someone does something clever. So I'm now going to spoil the film Primer. Um for people but try not to spoil it too much but basically you have these two guys who build a time travel machine in a storage facility and then they go back a week and they try and change all these things and uh, like get um uh, make money on the stock market and then by the end of the film you realize that what you thought maybe was the first time they'd gone back wasn't the first time because when you can keep going back in time you never know which version of you the, the viewer is seeing and that's kind of what happens with the arpat scene at the end of this but you could take out the whole temporal pincer movement and you could just have ives the protagonist and neil Trying to like stealth infiltrate this, and then him going backwards, and he goes backwards. So, so what he does, I I I I'd like to explain this again because it is it is the crux of the emotional heft of the movie, and you don't even realize till the second time round, is that our Patz you realize has done a lot of this before his character. I don't know how many times he's gone back to do different things. I don't really understand exactly how it works because what happened happened. You can't change things. But it seems like you can add things. That's the way I I see it. So at one point, he um, decides to go and get a van so he can try and... Um, uh break into this sealed up tomb and that's one part where he's gone back then there's another part where there is a dead body on the floor and then it raises from the dead because what happens is he basically steps in the way of the protagonist so that the henchman shoots him instead of the protagonist and he opens a gate and then you realize second time I was watching this you realize he walks backwards out, but you're too busy watching like the fights and working out. And then you realise that what he had to do was he had to he'd seen himself die and he'd had to make a decision that he knew he was gonna tie ty- he was gonna invert and then go and save the world by putting himself in harm's way. Mm-hmm. So you know at the very end of the film he's already dead. Yeah. But you you can't know that until you've watched it a couple of times. Because you don't really understand what's happened. You know that the protagonist is... And um, John Dave watch is really good in that scene because he looks really upset. And you're like, why are you so upset? And then, like, uh, our Pats is like, whatever. I save the world. I know I've got to do this. I've done this loads of time. Don't worry. We have loads of adventures. Uh, which I thought were very interesting. And... um. And I just thought that bit is like really emotional, but it's not like Interstellar where you actually cry. When Anne Hathaway is going, love is the really important thing, blah, 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 you cry. You're upset. And this, like, you don't get sad until you understand what it means. I do think Arpatz is really good in this film. I think this is basically his audition for a Bond film. He could be Bond.
0: Could be Bond. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right fine. I think you in, would enjoy in, it Interesting, it again. Interesting bits and pieces of sort of yeah. time travel and, and, and things like that. Always interesting to watch. Mm. Still not convinced. I'm still not convinced. Well, one of the questions I found well, one of the questions I found myself asking myself why. at the end <laughs> of it all is how much of this film could have been achieved by the simple uh, proven science fiction uh, concept of a time machine.
1: Be careful of use of the word proven. The point of of telling it um, is that inversion is more scientifically possible n- no, than time no, travel. No, it's yeah, not. Yeah, because they talk about reverse entropy and what's it called, the it's, Maxwell's demon? Right,
0: yeah, okay. I've I, written a whole article I, 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 about I this. I would... It is not possible to reverse entropy any more than it's possible to travel back in time using a time machine. It, they're both totally fictitious. Okay. Um... So I asked myself, well, why not use a time machine? Well, because entropy is something a bit different, I suppose. Uh, Inversion is a bit... And to that end, I keep thinking, ooh, you, you, if you're going to go with this, you're going to have to utilise it in a very different way. And I, but isn't
1: this a different way? Well,
0: I, I think it, in parts, yes, in parts. Um, but there's, there's a little bit too much of entropy amounting to driving a car backwards. Um, or fighting someone backwards. Uh,
1: Did you know the bit about why they took? Well, they went back to the aircraft hangar. Yeah. Which was? Sorry, which bit? Well, they went back to the aircraft hangar, not the first time. Yeah. Why did they go back to the aircraft?
0: Um, I don't remember why.
1: It's because Cat was shot by an inverted bullet. And in order to reverse the effects of it and not kill her, mm. they have to go back in time and then, fi- oh, sorry, in- invert, and then find a machine, so she a turnstile, so she can revert back to going forward. Like, when I watched it the first time, I'm like, I don't know why they're going back to the aircraft hangar. Mm. And the second time I realise, it's because that's the only way they can save her life and then also go back forward again because you can't live your life go- well, backwards okay. so i think
0: there are bits and pieces of the film that 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 do go into that yeah but it's still not they still haven't properly i don't think that the concept of inversion is all that interesting and and not all that different to basic time travel in terms of causality So,
1: well no because everything happened happened it's like I would call this the prisoner of Azkaban model not the back to the future model the back to the future model is that Marty goes back and changes something and then he disappears from his family photograph because Mm. that is the grandfather paradox if you go back and kill your which they mention in the film if you go back and kill your grandfather does that mean you don't exist Mm. which is what back to the future is saying and I'm not saying it's a paragon of time travel but if you look in the prisoner of Azkaban best Harry Potter film um, you see that all the events that happen where Hermione is using the time turner to save Buckbeak and various other things that happen, you realise things are happening at the same time, yeah. which means everything has happened is happening. Mm. So it, that, that is, that's time travel, but it's not the butterfly effect. It's not changing things. Yeah, OK.
0: okay. And that's
1: what Tenet does. Everything they do... It changes things, but it doesn't change linear
0: yeah, time. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and I think
1: that's exceptionally clever. D- you don't d- think it is? I, I, no.
0: You're just do you need, not
1: think Prisoner of Azkaban clever?
0: I, I think you just need to sit down with a with a with a piece of paper and work it all out, which you can probably do in a couple of hours in, in terms of a, in terms of how that fits. Um, it's more to do with the fact that you went through all this hefty scientific explanation. Yeah. Of inversion, and I and again, I'm just thinking. Uh, I thought this at the time. Why not a time machine?
1: Okay, fair enough. I suppose because it looks cool on camera. Looking, oh, at things go
0: backwards. It's different. It's it's something slightly different. Yeah. But I think if you're going to do that, you're going to have to find a specific way of utilising that difference, other than cars driving backwards. Um, but there
1: are all the other things, like I told you. I I definitely think that. We'll have to end this conversation because (laughs) I'm an inverted person and you are a linear person Uh and you cannot appreciate the film until you have inverted back in time with me. Because for you, as for me when I finished it, and as for every single viewer I think, unless you've read everything in Reddit and been fully prepared, when you watched Tenet you're going to be confused because that is the human mind. Because the whole point of the film is that you are only told the pieces you need to know throughout the story and you only know the whole story at the end, not the beginning. I, I think maybe there are plenty of other fun things they could have done. But I really do think the story they told... It was quite serious, definitely. But they are spies trying to save the destruction of all time and space. The, there was, the, the, serious business.
0: I, 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 th- I think when I, when I was watching the science sort of play out... Because I do think it's fascinating to see how they perceive the science to be playing yeah. out. And Christopher Nolan does pay attention to this. Um, the, the scene with um, the, the Doctor... Um, explaining to um, Clemens Posey, yeah, also from Harry Potter. Q. We'll call her Cute. Our we?
1: Pat, also in Harry Potter. Um, this is very important. The Harry Potter connection. Um,
0: explaining, like <laughs> you know, look, I, you know, this bullet. I hold my hand up, and it sucks up into my hand. Yeah. There's really There's not a great deal of scientific explanation as to. Why that happens. She
1: does a video camera. I saw this again on the second time round that I didn't understand. Which is like the reason she can do that is because in the future she puts it down. Yeah. So that's why she's saying feel it. Like when you when you first hear that, you're like, Well that sounds stupid, or just feel it. But what she's saying is so, so he is... can't pick it up. No, he can when she when you when he realizes he just puts it down afterwards. The way you understand inversion and it is clever what she does, but it took me a while to get it. Is that she's saying you'll feel it when you know that you're gonna then put it down. Like you can pick it up because you because you know that your next action. It's about free will. It's whether there is truly free will. It's deterministic to pick up the bullet because you can only pick up the bullet when you know that what you're then going to do is drop the bullet. Does, does this make sense? So that's why she's saying feel it. What she's really saying is you can pick up that bullet if you know you'll drop it straight afterwards. And as soon as he does that...
0: So he can't change his mind as soon as once the bullet sucks into his No.
1: Mind. Yeah. So whether whether you can believe in that is so, dubious. Yeah. But he's, the, he's, the concept makes sense to me. The execution, Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a... It, it, it again, says
1: there is no true... Well, There's not a lot of free will.
0: It, it, it's that that I... Yeah. It, in general, as, they a, a, as, it as, in as general. a sort of general observation, on yeah. it, I think you've got to think quite carefully if you're going to utilise this rather novel concept mm. of how this plays out. Um, and I don't think it plays out in any particularly meaningfully interesting way that a time machine couldn't have also achieved. Um, and, I, and that's what slightly but bothers what, me.
1: Why are you bothered? There's been like a well, hundred no, films with yeah, the yeah, time yeah, machine.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm not. I'm not bothered. It, it's just that they've gone to all this effort to explain entropy and inversion, and uh, I okay. Well, to be
1: fair, they don't do it that much. I'm like, I could do it with a bit more. Well, I
0: think. I think because once you start getting into the meat of it, I'm not quite sure how much sense it, it really holds makes. up.
1: Yeah. Well, there's also that the, I would say as well. Again, second time round, I'm such a show off. Um... <laughs> That's what you get. That's how you become. That's how you become billionaire oligarch. If I keep if I keep watching it, once I've watched it ten times, I'm gonna be. I know everything about everything. Yeah. Um, there are there are conversations where Nolan has clearly. Seen he has time traveled, he has seen in the future that you are going to criticize the science, uh-huh. and so he has these conversations yeah. within the film between Neil and the protagonist. Where the protagonist is going, But if we do this, it's like we were never here, and he's like, No, Neil goes, No, that's not the case. Um, we were here, it's just we stopped something happening which ended all space and time, we didn't stop everything else. By the way, happening. by the way,
0: can I just on that yes. point, yes. The the phrase they use in the film is isn't space and time, it's the world. And the world. Do you find mm. that a bit Do you find that a bit of an oddity?
1: Yes, well I tell you no, no, I don't, because that gets to my next point, which is um another thing that happens in the film is that every the protagonist is going, Why are they doing this in the future? Because if you blow up the world now, don't you stop their future happening? And that's where Neil says they think that there might be a multi, multi universe, multiverse. Right. So then, if you're blowing up this world, then that makes sense because they're saying in another world, it's not climate change ravaged then, and they're okay. But, but surely, it wouldn't be their own world. Yeah, well, surely. Yeah, surely this surely is the, the surely,
0: surely the phrase is universe destroying the, this universe well As, it
1: might be but they're not in the universe they're still on earth no one's space traveling in in the, in the world of i mean i I, the,
0: I would have said i would have said i mean if i was doing this yeah i'd have said that that what, what they're attempting to do is destroy this universe on the assumption that there is a multiverse and, other, and therefore other universes out there um rather than ending it at the world because that implies that if you're hanging out on mars you're not going to have a problem Which is clearly not going to be true.
1: No, it's like they haven't... These people have invented... uh, This woman scientist, they made it very clear she was female. Let's big her up. Mrs. (laughs) Scientist. Or Miss, sorry, Ms. Ms. Scientist. Of no name. They can't give her a name. But that's because Priya, who says it, doesn't technically know she is. Is it is it Bechdel passing if a woman talks about another woman? No. But you know <laughs> what? We'll take it. It's the closest I'm going to get. Yeah, okay. Um, why couldn't... Oh, okay, I was going to say, why couldn't Max be a daughter? We'll get to that. Um. Uh, this scientist, female scientist, Ms. Scientist, sh- uh I get the impression from the film that that sh- her future, she lives in a future where they haven't done Interstellar. It's like a, it, that nobody has gone far into space. No one's living in space stations because whatever that future is, it's not the same future as Interstellar. And so therefore, their best chance of making themselves survive is the inversion algorithm machine. It is not going to live on another planet. But they don't say that. Theoretically, maybe that's why they wanna blow up the world. Because maybe some of them have moved to Mars. I had a theory that I thought maybe Murph from Interstellar was the scientist. But when <laughs> yeah. I rewatched the movie, it said she kills herself. And I'm like, oh, Murph doesn't do that. She yeah. lives to right
0: a very old does age. Well, she's old, so it's not
1: really killing herself. Yeah. So I think Nolan put that in deliberately so that people wouldn't think it was Murph. I was trying to link those.
0: Well, I think, I think, the, um, I think the use of the word world in, in this film... Feels like a bit of a dumbing down more than anything else. I thought. Um, but
1: hang on, but if we're not on any other planets, who cares? I
0: just don't think the science makes sense if you end it at the boundaries of the world. No,
1: no, no. Just because they say it, I think they're saying we only care about humans on the planet. But are who they... cares about the universe if they're not utilising the universe?
0: Uh, true, but if you were going to, but but using the the phrase "world" implies that the rest of the universe would be okay.
1: No, I don't think it does uh, at all. I think they're just talking about we all live on the world. We're all going to die. Oh, I think they're trying to put it onto the human condition, um, which is... But I, I, but, I didn't see it like but that. But
0: they're destroying everything in yeah, the universe, yeah, including so, every other potentially sentient species out but
1: there. But they don't think that. That's what Neil says. Neil says, I don't get it, but they think... That they're not going to destroy their own future. They think this is their best hope for the future. Yeah, okay, fair enough. And then the protagonist is like, uh, "What a multiverse!" And then we get into the devs' argument, which is exactly the problem I had with devs.
0: But it's which not, by is... the way, it's not a multi-world though, is it? It's a multiverse.
1: Yes, I know, but you're hung up on world. That's um, the... Maybe that's just a word they use. I think it is.
0: I, I, I think yeah. it is just a word they use. Yeah. I think I don't. I don't think they really meant world at no. all. Um, but I question, and I watched the
1: film twice. Did but, I mention? But, but, and I don't remember. But
0: what? I, but I question why. I kept saying, why is it the end of what? Why, why say end of the world when you really mean end of the universe?
1: Because I, 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 I don't know. My, my counterpoint is. In the future, they've discovered they can't go to any other planets. There's no planet in the universe which can sustain human life. That's that. It's still
0: out there, though. So... Right? I mean, the universe still exists. Yes,
1: but maybe they have done something with the multiverse where maybe they can travel between multiverses and maybe they're like, if we explode this one, we can get into another one. But let me go back to my devs argument. The thing about devs is that at the end of devs, spoilers for devs, um, the, one of the main characters wants to wants to try and work out how he can. He wants to find out that he didn't cause his daughter to die because he had no free will, and then he thinks he can live in another version of the multiverse with his daughter where she's alive. Yeah, mm-hmm. and to me, I say that is stupid because it's not you. The multiverse is just another version. But me feeling my thoughts now, even if there's another person out there who's exactly the same as me, in another multiverse, it's not me. Yeah. And that's what I don't like about the multiverse argument, is that, like you said, if you blow up a world or a universe... Yeah, if you blow up a universe, is there still another universe? But what does it matter? How did you secure your future? The The only argument is maybe we fucked it up so badly that we should let another universe exist.
0: But it already does, does, does it not? So why... why I,
1: How do we know?
0: Well, okay, so you made the point about whether they can travel between universes. No, that,
1: that, that's literally just me
0: Well, it might be thinking. true. Yeah, but it might be true. Yeah. Um, and actually, I, I would say that that's the only way that it kind of makes sense. Because...
1: But that's the point of the film. Nolan says, he's literally telegraphing it. He's like, stop trying to make this make sense.
0: Yeah.
1: we don't know why they're doing their future people, which is exactly the same I mean, as Interstellar. What's,
0: what's the worst that could happen in the future that you want to wipe out the entire universe? Well, I mean, you might as well just die starving with in a, in a you know economic, a uh, uh, ecological, ecologically ravaged planet um, rather than destroy <laughs> the entire universe. Well, those <laughs> evil people
1: uh, in the future, may, or maybe they're not evil. Maybe they think. Let's destroy the universe instead of go through this suffering.
0: I suppose. But yeah, you're, but you're, oh, I think
1: it's a bit dramatic, I think, but then I think, everyone's a bit dramatic I th- I in Tenet. I just think that there's,
0: there's, a, there's, a, there's a moral invocation to that, which suggests that whatever it is, th- their decision is uh, lacking in moral fibre, shall we say.
1: Yeah, but Tenet is such a fascinating film. We are talking about motivations of characters who never appear on screen who exist entirely in the future.
0: Mm. <coughs> Come to think of it, there is actually an awful lot of speculation about the future in this film <coughs> um, which, which isn't really explained. It's well, not and, just
1: speculation. And, and in, this, in the world of the film the f- future people exist because they're sending yeah, back all yeah, this yeah, chisel.
0: Yeah, um, but exactly what that future is and everything else no one, no one seems to know or question. Um, Except it's this,
1: bad They it's, say it's bad
0: They say it's bad
1: yeah. Priya says The world's been ravaged It's not good So Nolan is shoehorning in His climate change narrative yeah. That he likes or, to or do, Or his
0: nuclear war Or something yeah. I don't know what it is Yeah Um He's so, coming up with So a bad that they want to destroy the entire universe. Including rather, themselves. Rather than live through it. Yes. Or, or, or die through it, I yes. say.
1: But then you look at Sator's motivation. And at one point, do you remember we were laughing after we saw it the first time? Um, we were laughing because we were like, oh, if if you if, um, I can't have you, no one can. Do you remember that bit mm. with Cat? Yeah. And you're like, what an idiot. It's like, this is pathetic, and this is not good script writing. But then, when I watch it the second time, I realise he is not talking about Cat. He's talking about the universe. Uh He's like, when I die, you're all going with me. And then he says, (laughs) I'm like a god. Uh, So then you realise what he's thinking. And it suddenly makes a lot more sense. Because it looks as if he's just a stereotypical Bond villain, which he still is to a point. But he's basically like, if I'm dead that's why they sent it back that's why these evil future people not the scientists these evil future people sent these things back to him so he could make his turnstiles yeah because they're like you are exactly the kind of person yeah I think who was... will do our bidding yeah
0: i think i think that's definitely implied <laughs> isn't it but it needed it needed an evil yeah. russian shall we say
1: is there anything else you want to say about tenet you will watch it again, yeah? Yeah, I will
0: watch it again. I, yeah. I, I, As I said, it, it, it's one of those films that bears watching probably mm-hmm. several times just to get a sort of sense of it. Um, yeah.
1: And then you can come back and in 10 years' time we'll have an Inversion podcast and you can say, Oh my God, Tenet was the best film ever. I watched it 10 times and I finally understood.
0: I think my slight... Okay, my my sort of passing final thought on it is yeah. I am a, a general believer that... that science fiction has to have some sort of basis in possibilities. Yep. Uh, interstellar flight um, via wormhole is, is not discountable in, in, in the current sort of science fiction. If you say so. In, in the current sort of science thinking, it's not discountable. Yeah. Um, the ability to infiltrate dreams, I would say, is also not discountable in the current... Mm-hmm. Um, reversed entropy really is... Discountable. It's just not possible. Because Hawking um, said
1: you can only go forward in time. You cannot go back. Well,
0: it's also just a basic... And Nolan's
1: like... Eh, eh,
0: eh. It's just a, also a basic breach of thermodynamic laws as well. Um, but there you are. Okay, so... So w- with that you, in mind, I did struggle a little bit with it. Because I just thought, you base it on something... You're not watching
1: which, a documentary. No, I
0: know, I know, I know. And, and there is that suspension and disbelief element. I'm, I'm yeah. aware of that. And I know I, 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 I will be... I'll be in the minority in thinking yeah. that. I'm well aware no, of No, you've
1: that. got a point, because all of the Batman trilogy, Dunkirk, Interstellar, Inception, Memento, mm, The Prestige is the only other one that I can think of. We, we won't talk about Insomnia, because he made that movie for someone else. So of all his own movies, The Prestige is the only one that deals with something which is a little bit magical. Mm. Yeah? But even then, they're saying the Tesla machine might be able to work. I think maybe you might be disappointed because Nolan says, I'm going to entertain you, and there's also a fair amount of truth in this. And then you're like, why did you come up with this pseudo-scientific thing when you could have just said, get in the telephone box and go back? Yeah. Well,
0: uh, p- partially, but I just... I, I want
1: to believe, though. Uh,
0: partially, but I also, I, I just have a, a, a fractional... At the back of my head. It's not huge, don't yeah. get me wrong, it's not huge. A fractional issue with basing it all on really just nonsense.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. So, enjoyable nonsense yeah, is your yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. Now, before this podcast becomes as long as Tenet, and whether <laughs> yeah. we'll debate as to whether it was more or less confusing and more or less entertaining than Tenet, <laughs> I will just drop a bomb... Uh, So this is another spoiler, which is being talked about on Reddit at the moment. So turn the podcast off now if you don't want to know this. But I think for me, it really informed my second viewing, which is that Max, Cat's son, is potentially Neil. Okay. So Neil is recruited in the future as an adult to be part of Tenet, by the protagonist, and he basically goes back in time to effectively save his mum and save himself. And by watching the film, I, I looked to see if it was possible. Now, the little boy's called Max and he's called Neil, but anyone can change their name. Contrera is not my name on my birth certificate. Um, but there are lots of scenes between him and Cat where when it comes to any emotional heft, He's not shown on camera because there are scenes between them. So, Pat, so it is entirely possible. And I think that is amazing because that is a classic spinning top totem Nolan thing, which is there is something else hidden in this film, which he never alludes to and cannot be proven or disproven, but is potentially true. And that's a really interesting. Well,
0: it's possible, but I mean, like, I. There's nothing in the film to necessarily suggest it, though, is there? So, no,
1: but there's nothing to counter it. And also, I would say the thing to suggest Ma- it is that. I've got
0: a better one. Max yeah. is.
1: Not the protagonist, not He's the protagonist, black.
0: but he, he is the one that sent the the bits of the machine back. Because he's bad. He's bad. Bad Max.
1: What? So he's not Neil. He's, just he's a, Mad Max. He's Mad Max. Right, okay.
0: And that's the one future. of these theories. And that's the future, by the way, is be more believable dri- than the other. Driving around in cars <laughs> yeah. that Max just couldn't handle because yeah. he was not a good driver. That's about
1: climate change. Yeah. yeah. So maybe, yeah. Watch Mad Max Fury Road, then watch Tenet again. So I hope you've all enjoyed this and it has made some sense. Um, I absolutely love Tenet, even though it is an utterly ridiculous exposition-heavy Bond wannabe Nolan. Unique masterpiece (laughs) Thank you for talking to me about it See you um, One week ago See you seven days ago To discuss this again when you've seen the film
0: Uh, About in a week's time
1: Okay part of the algorithm in it. And in that case is um oh no I've also missed a bit.